Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. This summer, we're walking through the book of Romans, taking a master class from the rich and powerful book of the New Testament. Romans is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It is the essence of the gospel and provides the rich doctrine of our faith. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and God has used it to change the hearts of men and ultimately the world. In Romans, we see the impact of our sin, which reveals our deep need for God, and then the importance of living out our faith in Jesus today. Whether a lifelong student of the Bible to a first-time believer, this is a masterclass for everyone. Let's listen in. Well, good morning to you guys today. And I have a question for you as we kick off today. The question is this, why do we quit things? Why do you throw in the towel? Why do you dis- decide or you determine? What makes you determine, you know what? The circumstances are too great. I have had enough. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. What leads you to that conclusion? Or maybe you're of the camp where you would say, you know what? I don't think there's ever the right time to quit anything. I don't know if we ever can, should be, uh, you know, somebody who throws in the towel. Maybe you were raised in a home where you would let things ride out to the absolute bitter end. Let me give you a glimpse into my childhood. As a child, if I decided that I wanted to do something, if I wanted to play a sport, we were all in with that sport. There was no quitting the team mid-season. You know, if we wanted to play baseball, you were committed to baseball for the entirety of that time. I didn't even want to take piano lessons, but I was signed up for piano lessons. And about halfway through, I asked my mom and dad, can we stop piano lessons? And they looked at me and smiled with a grin that said, thank you for sharing how you feel. We will take that into consideration as they were driving me to the next piano lesson. And uh, so it was just not an option. We were that family that we would go to a sporting event. And even if our team was 30 points ahead, Ahead, we would not slip out early to beat traffic because my dad was of the line of thinking, we have paid good money for these tickets and we will ride it to the bitter end because our team may quit and the other team come back and all of a sudden we would be at a loss. And I laugh thinking about those stories, but honestly, it's part of what has shaped me today. That kind of desire to be you know, resolute and to say, you know what, I, I have a resolve. And that was modeled for me, and I'm really, really thankful for that. Now, the flip side of the story is that there are times that things just need to stop. Maybe you've had a program that has kind of run its course and it needs to stop. If you own a business, you have had products before that were probably not flying off the shelf and you realize we've got to stop that production of that product. Or if you're in a really unhealthy relationship, you should pull back from that relationship. So I'm not going to stand up here and say that there's never times that you should stop some things. But generally speaking, I think as a culture, we have an appetite to kind of move away from things a lot sooner than we should. We have an appetite to kind of say, I'm going to move on to the next thing, perhaps a little bit quicker than we should. We don't want to persevere as much as we may need to. And in fact, you're going to be really hard pressed to find in the Bible an incredible incredible amount of wisdom about not persevering because it's actually from start to finish. There's so much core truth, so many promises of God that center around this concept of saying, you know what, when it gets difficult or when the obstacles are there or when the challenges surface, instead of getting weaker, I yearn to get stronger. So why do we persevere then? How do we ensure that will happen? See, I believe that we only persevere when we keep going because we know that there is something desirable that's still to come. We know that there is a blue ocean somewhere. We know that their grass is greener, or we know that there is something more desirable around the corner. And so my hard work and my perseverance, I pray, will pay off. 
But if you don't see that hope around the corner, if you don't see better things yet to come, you might be quick to move from circumstance to circumstance and just stop when it gets challenging. On this Mother's Day, I do want all of you moms in the room to know that we see you. I know there are times as a mom that you don't know if you can keep going. You have these kids that drop dirty clothes off right in front of the clothes hamper and um, not in the clothes hamper, but right in front of the clothes hamper, and you think to yourself, I'm going to lose it. Or you say to yourself, if you put an empty chip bag back in the pantry one more time, I may become undone. But you keep at it. Why? Because you have hope on the horizon that one day they will be able to pick up after themselves. You're not withholding hope. You believe one day the truths that I'm teaching them, one day the things I'm modeling for them, they will actually come to fruition. And as much as we laugh about that from a spiritual perspective, my hope and my prayer is that we would all say, you know what, I want to yearn to endure. I don't want to quit when the challenges surface. And this text that we're going to look at today in this masterclass series, the book of Romans, particularly in Romans chapter 4 today, you're going to see the story of Abraham. And what I love about the story of Abraham is that Abraham dealt with struggles. And in the midst of all those struggles, he remained confident, he remained strong, he certainly made some errors and had some flaws just like all of us. But in the midst of all of those unknowns, Abraham trusted God. And my hope and my prayer is that we would be the same, no matter the challenges, no matter the obstacles, that we would say, you know what, I want to persevere for what it is that the Lord desires to do in my life. And so I'm so honored that you're here with us today. It's not by accident that any of you are here. Thank you for being with us. For those of you here for the very first time, it means the world to us that you chose to visit with us today. And I want to pray and ask God to just move in our midst and to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. So will you join me in prayer today? Lord, thank you for this day of life. Thank you for an amazing celebration already of baptism, of worship, of um, just your presence. God, you are here and you are so close to us. And we thank you for all that you're doing. And we pray that you would speak to us now through your word as we seek to make ourselves available for you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. As I've alluded to already, we are in this sermon series called Masterclass. And it's our ser summer sermon series where we're going through the book of Romans. And today we're going to be camping out in Romans chapter 4. So prior to that, though, in case this is the first time that you're with us, I want to give you a quick heads up as to what's happening here. Because the book of Romans is a letter written by this guy named Paul, and it's two churches in Rome. And what he's doing is he's instructing them of various things that they need to be aware of. And so one of the big themes of the first cap couple chapters of, Ro of, of Romans is how broken we are and how in need of a Savior we are and how there's sin in all of our lives. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, he was speaking directly to Gentiles. And those were those who they weren't God's chosen people. They were grafted into that relationship with God. And he says, you're broken. You are sinful. And then in chapter 2, he sets his sights on the Jews, who were God's chosen people. They had this covenant relationship with God, but they were more concerned about works. They were more concerned about the obeyance of the law than they were the heart behind it. And so Paul is speaking to them. And then last week, in case you just forgot and didn't see yourself in Romans chapter 1 or Romans chapter 2, he reminds us again in Romans chapter 3, oh, by the way, we all are sinners, and we are all broken, and we all fall woefully short of God's plan for us. And then right at the end of chapter 3, and then all throughout chapter 4, Paul begins introducing this theme of faith, that to really grow into who God desires for you to be is to be a person of faith, to grow in faith and to grow in belief. And so he uses the story of Abraham. All of chapter 4 is about Abraham, and he's using the story of Abraham to encourage and to challenge the church in Rome. 
And so maybe you don't know anything about Abraham, and if you don't, then you would have to go all the way back to the beginning, back to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, there's this guy named Abram. His name hasn't been changed to Abraham yet, but Abram has spoken to by God, and God promises him that he's going to be made into a great nation and that the Lord will bless him. He even promised him offspring, although he and his wife Sarah did not have children at that moment in time. And then a couple chapters later in Genesis chapter 15, God shows Abraham again that his descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And he was childless still. But it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, listen to this truth. In Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So there was a belief in what God says, even though his circumstances were not in alignment with the promise. There was this credit of righteousness. And in the most basic banking terms, a credit is something that goes in and a debit is something that comes out. So there was this credit. There was something that was deposited on the inside. Now, Abraham does take matters into his own hands at age 86 and bears a child uh, with um, with, uh, Hagar. And that's another story for another day. But at age 99, he commits to follow Jesus, follow, follow the Lord, and the Lord comes to Abram and again says to him, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And at age 99, God makes this covenant relationship with Abraham. And through the name change and through this covenant of circumcision, Abraham and all the Jewish males and every Jewish male child that was born was to keep this commitment, to keep this covenant act of circumcision. And then one year later, at the age of 100, and Sarah at the age of 90, they bear a child. And from that time until the public ministry of Jesus, that circumcision was an act, a sign of a commitment to God. But lest we forget, before that ever happened, before that act was ever followed through with, we do not need to forget that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so when you scroll all the way forward to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 verses 1 through 12 is Paul asking that question to the church. He's saying, what is it that made Abraham right? Was it the circumcision or was it the belief? Was it the act or was it the faith? And in Romans chapter 4, Paul answers that question. He says, it's the belief. It's the faith that was credited to righteousness in Abraham's life. So turn with me to Romans chapter 4. You're going to see these words here on the screen as well. A lot of them are printed there for you on your worship guide. But I want to read verses 1 through 3. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So what Paul is saying is he was saying it was the belief. The act was a sign of commitment, but Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of the law. He made a way for everyone to be made right. And when you trust God and you place your faith in him, then that's credited to you as righteousness. And Abraham does this way before he ever had a child. He had faith. He had belief. And for you and I today, prayerfully, we would choose to go the same path, that we would say, you know, no matter the circumstances, no matter the obstacles, I'm going to trust and I'm going to grow in my faith more than I grow in 
acts, more than I grow in the works, more than I grow in all these things that I think is what actually makes me right in God's eyes. So what does that mean for you and I? And you see this here on your screen. It means that faith will always take you farther. Whatever you try to do in life, whatever path that you think is actually going to take you farther, faith will always take you farther. That's, in fact, the book of Romans in a nutshell. Faith always takes us farther. It will take you farther than anything else in life. Go with me to verse 5. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. See, it's that faith that makes us right. It's that belief that makes us whole. But what is it that causes us to stumble in our faith? What is it that causes us, to, causes us to be challenged in our faith? What is it that causes us to want to quit? I think it's all those unknowns. I think it's those moments in life when things just don't go our way, when the circumstances are so insurmountable, when the adversities are so present in our life. Abram was told that he was going to be the father of many nations when he didn't even have children. So that's why Paul is using Abraham as this example, because he's saying it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. He had so many obstacles that would have made most of us say, I'm not really sure that God can be trusted in that covenant promise that he has made, but yet he can be trusted. And for you and I, it's not just about all of the boxes that we check, but rather it's about that faith and that belief that we have that helps us to endure. Scroll ahead to verse 13. So it was not through the law then that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Paul's saying it's not through the law that that was credited to him as righteousness. But rather, the promise came by faith. And against all odds, Abraham believed. Against all hope, Abraham chooses to have hope. And if I were to ask you to think about the obstacles in your life, if I were to ask you about the challenges in your life, if I were to ask you about the adversities in your life, I'm sure that you would not have to think very hard to come up with a list of things. There's things that evidently would, I'm sure, come right to the forefront of your mind. It doesn't require a lot of thought for us, does it? to think about the things that have happened in our life, maybe expectations in our life that have not been met, or maybe some adversities, or maybe just some, some real severe challenges. And this is what we know to be true about all those things. Let's just call them obstacles. What we know to be true about all of those obstacles in our life right now is that obstacles have the power to either weaken or strengthen your faith, don't they? Obstacles have the power to either weaken or strengthen your faith. And when you go back to Romans 4.18, look at what the obstacles did in Abraham's life. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said, so shall your offspring be. This is such a powerful story. 
Because God is telling Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Oh, by the way, you don't have children yet. Uh, hello? Is this, lost? is this not lost on all of us? You're going to be the father of many nations, but you don't have children yet? That would be like me saying to you, you're going to have many McDonald's someday. You're going to own many McDonald's someday. Well, that's awesome, but I don't own one yet. So maybe we should start there. Oh, no, don't worry about one. You will have many McDonald's and many Starbucks and many Wendy's and many Home Depots, many Lowe's. You will own them all. <laughs> okay, great. But I don't own anything just quite yet. And so to Abraham, this is why it's so powerful. Because in faith, he said, I'm going to believe. And that belief was credited to him as righteousness. And for some of us, there's lots of obstacles. There's lots of things that cause us to struggle. There's lots of circumstances that cause us to, to doubt. Maybe it was your upbringing. Maybe, you know, you were raised in a home where you weren't taught that you were significant, and you weren't taught that you could do significant things for the kingdom, and maybe you're still trying to kind of claw out from under all of that right now. And my hope and my prayer is that you would realize that you are loved, and that God has an incredible plan for your life, and that he has forgiven you for everything that you have ever done. It's also not lost on me that Mother's Day is a really sweet day for some, and it's a really hard day for others. And maybe the challenges of this day, whether you lost your mom recently or, or maybe the relationship with your mom was just not healthy, it was unrealistic, you didn't feel like you could ever make her happy. Or maybe Mother's Day is a really hard day because you've lost a child or, or you can't have children or maybe the day is just difficult for you. And, and I want you to know that it's not lost on me. And I see you, but more importantly than that, the Lord sees you. And he sees you, he sees your challenges, he sees the obstacles that you're going through. And the obstacles that we encounter are, are huge. I mean, financial obstacles. Maybe it's a struggle um, to, to, to work through sin in our life. Or, or maybe it could be any number of things that are weighing really heavily on us right now. But my prayer is that you would realize all of those obstacles will either weaken your faith or they could strengthen your faith if you allow God to use them as he desires. I was thinking about what I do when I stand up here and preach to you. And I, um, if, I, if I were to go back and listen to all of the messages, um, what I think I would hear on a lot of those messages is that I stand up here and I say to you that God has an incredible plan for your life and that he wants to use you, that you're not an accident, that you are created for significant kingdom work, that he wants to use you to accomplish ministry in the lives of other people. But do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that the Lord wants to use you? Do you actually believe that the Lord wants to use you to speak those words of truth to other people? Do you believe that the Lord wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of others? Because I pray that you do. And I pray that you realize that these words that are communicated from God's words, these aren't just words for somebody in the other section. <laughs> They're not just words for somebody in the row in front of you that seems a little bit holier than you. They're not just for other people. They are for you. And so have you given thought or are you praying towards the fact that God could use you this year to lead one of your friends to Christ? How cool is that? I pray that happens. I pray that God would use you this year to lead one of your coworkers to Christ. I pray that God would use you this year to maybe lead your child to Christ. I pray that God would use you this year to say, you know what, maybe this next year I'll have an opportunity to baptize one of my neighbors like we celebrated this morning with Wyatt and like we celebrated in the first service with Kim and Andy. 
Maybe this next year you would say, you know what, I could go on an international mission trip. And some of you all, you hear those things and you immediately think of all the reasons you could never do that. All of the struggles, all of the shortcomings, all of the anxiety, the nervousness, the not knowing what to say. And however you feel right now, those obstacles, they will either push you away or they will cause you to trust God even more. And I think it causes us to trust God even more because we realize in those moments, Lord, I'm not capable at all of doing what I know that you have called me to do. I would love to be a part of significant ministry in the life of someone else, but I am so nervous. I am am, am so anxious about that. And so how about starting from a place of saying, Lord, if that were to happen, I want it to happen. I believe it will happen, but it will have to be you because I know in my own power, I cannot do that. But he wants to do that. He wants to work in you. I promise you of that. So if you go back to verse 19, though, it says, without weakening in his faith, this is Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Don't you love the practicality of verse 19? (laughs) I mean, Abraham says, uh, he is facing the cold hard facts right now. He's like, Lord, I hear your promise, but I'm 100, and sweet Sarah is 90, and that just doesn't happen. I mean, it's just 100-year-olds and 90-year-olds just don't have babies. He was willing to face that fact, but it says right there in Scripture, the facing of that fact didn't weaken his faith. Are you kidding me? The facing of the facts is precisely what weakens my faith. And here you have Abraham who says it was the facing of his facts that didn't weaken his faith. And I think about my own life and my weakest moments of faith are when I'm confronted with the reality of A plus B equals C and I don't see God in the midst of it. But it's facing the cold, hard facts that actually allows our faith to grow. And so that we're able to say, you know what, I can commit to serving even though I feel so inept. I can commit to seeking to share my faith even though I don't know where to start. I can commit to be generous even though I don't even know if we can barely pay our monthly bills. I can commit to share the gospel with someone else, although I am so nervous about just walking across the room and having a conversation with someone. See, you can do those things in faith. Now, in full disclosure, do all of the things in life that are challenging, do all of those unknown things in life, do all those circumstances, do all of them immediately go away when you say yes to Jesus? When you say, I want to take a step of faith, does that mean that everything that's unknown in your life all of a sudden becomes crystal clear? Absolutely not. I'm not going to promise you that. Please don't quote me in that. Don't go tell your friends, come to Rolling Hills. The pastor said, if we say yes to Jesus, everything is just a bed of roses. It just doesn't happen. The reality is there's still going to be challenges and there's still going to be adversities. So will you and I go from this place today and all of those unknown things just mysteriously become known? Probably not. Will all of the obstacles that I'm facing right now have solutions by 2 p.m. today? Probably not. Why? You see this here on your screen because all of the unknown things in life are unknown for a reason, aren't they? So what's the reason? I don't know. (laughs) All of the unknown things in life, in your life, they are unknown for a reason. And there's so many things in your life right now that are unknown. Maybe you're asking yourself, should I leave the job that I'm in? Should I take a new job? 
I don't know. I'm waiting, waiting for writing on the wall. I'm waiting for something to be, you know, abundantly clear. All of those questions that you have right now are probably in the unknown category in your life right now. Why? Because God has just not made those things known. But what he does want to do is he wants you to trust him that he will reveal clarity to you as much or as little as he chooses to give you in the proper time. Because the reality is unknown things are unknown for a reason. And it truly is an exercise in futility to try to find an answer for something that God's going to bring an answer to maybe at some point in your life. I believe one of the best ways for us to tackle a project, I believe one of the best ways for us to tackle these circumstances in life is to trust what we know. And to say, you know what, there's lots of things that are known. In fact, if you have a decision that you have to make, one of the best practices somebody shared with me is you pull out a big legal pad, not an iPhone note, just a big legal pad, and you put a line down the middle, and you write on one side of that everything that you know to be true. All of the known variables. And when you think about all those things that you can know about God, that's a lot of legal pads. It's a lot of truth. It's a lot of promises. And then you realize there's so many things that are unknown, and those unknown things are just unknown for a reason. But when I move as many of those things into known as I can, it positions me in a place to be able to experience and see what God wants to do in ways that I probably couldn't even ask or imagine, some of those unknown areas. In fact, that's one of our primary ministry philosophies here at Rolling Hills. We do this at a, all the time. On a weekly basis, the band, they arrive early They rehearse throughout the course of the week what happens in family ministry. It's not the first time that we've recruited volunteers. You know, we're staffing rooms, we're planning games, we're thinking through all of those things. When I preach God's word, I try my best to work on these messages. I preach them to anyone who will listen. If you have coffee with me the week of a message, I'm probably going to throw an illustration your way. You don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm just seeing how it falls on people to see like, oh, bad idea. Take that one somewhere else. Why do we try to do that? Because we want as many things as possible to be in the known category. Because what's unknown on a weekly basis? All of the challenges that you and I go through. All of the uncertainty. All of the sicknesses that might come our way this week that we don't even know about right now. All of the woes, all of the issues that are happening in the world right now, and we seek to move as many things to the known category as possible so that our arms can be open wide to say, Lord, whatever it is that you want to show me what I am not expecting right now, I want to be in the mindset and the frame of mind to be able to process through it and to receive it. And in your own life, it's a generally speaking good best practice to say everything that I know to be true about the Lord, which is a lot, hopefully. I want to trust that And so that that will give me the strength and the confidence to move forward. All those things that might be unknown are unknown for a reason. But with great anticipation, we trust the Lord and we say, you know what, God, whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is you want to show me, whenever you want to show me, I want to trust that. But that only happens in the context of that relationship and that growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You see this here on your screen, but the more that I grow in my relationship with God, the more I will trust his promises. Haven't you seen that to be true? That the more you grow in that relationship with God, the more that you actually trust in his promises. It's been so true in my life. Sometimes I haven't trusted the promises of God because I've not really been spending time with him. And so I don't know that he can be trusted. Back to verse 20 in reference to Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. He did not 
waver in unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. See, if you really want to grow to trust God, you have to spend time with him. You have to be in that relationship with him. And if you don't have that relationship with him, I pray that that would be your starting point today. And that you would say, you know what, I want to give control of my life to Jesus. I want to surrender control to him. I don't want life to be all about me, but I want to grow in that relationship with him. I want to make that commitment to follow him and to trust him and to spend time with him every day. And when you grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ, you begin to naturally trust him. And you trust his promises. I don't know about you, maybe I'm the only one in the room, but sometimes I really struggle to trust the promises of people I don't know. Uh, this happened to me recently, just a couple of weeks ago. I had a customer service issue, which consequently seems to be the moment in life that my faith is tested more than anything. Um, when you have a customer service issue, and I had a warranty for uh, a product that we needed to cancel. I didn't need the warranty anymore. And these warranty companies obviously don't want you to cancel their subscriptions because they make it impossible to even find a phone number. To, I had you know, put on my private investigator hat to find a phone number to call. And so I call... And uh, I get this automated recording that basically says, if you go to our website, you can, you know, have all your customer service needs met. And I'm like, mm, wrong. I started with your website. And there wasn't a tab that said cancel. And so that's why I had to call. And so I call. And a gentleman named Steve answers the phone. And I explain my situation to Steve. And he says, I can't help you, um, but I'm going to transfer you to someone that can. And it was that moment that I realized, this is probably going nowhere fast. And, uh, and sure enough, I don't go anywhere, don't get anywhere, so I hang up, I decide to call back again, and I press zero, and this time I get Katrina, and I explain to Katrina, you know, what I needed, and she says, you know, I can't do that, I need to transfer you, and I was like, Katrina, I've already been transferred once, so if you can just make sure there's somebody on the other line, and so sure enough, you know, guess who picks up the phone, my old buddy Steve, and, um, <laughs> okay, Steve, it's Jason, we talked like seven minutes ago, um, still got the same problem I had, um, Still trying to cancel, and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me find somebody that can do that. I said, Steve, please transfer me to a real person this time. And he transfers me to another lady. I didn't catch her name, but it is quite possible it was Katrina throwing her voice. Um, (laughs) And I got the business taken care of, and the cancellation happened. And I understand they were just doing their job because their job is reliant on people not canceling these subscriptions. And so I get it. I don't fault them for not wanting me to cancel. Um, But from the onset, they weren't really meeting me where I was. They really weren't providing me much support or much assistance, and there was no relationship. And because I didn't have that relationship, I kind of struggled to trust them. And I think about a relationship with God. If you don't have that growing relationship with God, you may hear somebody like me stand on a stage saying things like, you can trust him with everything in your life. And because you don't have that growing relationship, you doubt that. And you wonder, can God really be trusted? Does God really see me in my struggles right now? And my friends, I want to ensure you that he does. And he sees you, and I pray that you would realize his heart for you, his love for you, his compassion towards you, and that you would see that he is truly greater than any challenge that will ever be present in your life. And when you spend time in his word, you begin to see those stories. You see the blind receiving sight. You see the lame walking. You see the deaf hearing. You see giants being slain by everyday normal people. You see the feeding of thousands from a little boy's lunch. And then you see broken people being used for kingdom purposes. And you spend time in God's word and you begin to get this hope that God can, in fact, use broken vessels like me. And God can, in fact, use broken vessels like you. 
And then when you go back to the text, we're reminded again of just the power of Abraham's faith. Look back at verse 20 and 21. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So instead of wavering in faith, Abraham was strengthened. Instead of doubting, he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised to do. Abraham knew that God would keep his word. And my hope and my prayer is that you realize that as well. In fact, take note of this. See, God is always faithful to his promises and sometimes faithful to my expectations. <laughs> Let me repeat that for you. God is always faithful to his promises and sometimes faithful to my expectations. God is always faithful to do exactly what he says he is going to do. I am not the biblical scholar to end all biblical scholars, but I have searched, and nowhere in Scripture from start to finish does it ever tell us that God is going to give us exactly what we want when we want it. It's just not there. God doesn't promise us that he's going to meet every expectation that we have, yet he does promise us so many things, such as I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. I'm never going to tempt you more than you can bear. I promise to work out all things to the good for those who love me and who are called according to my purpose. I promise to meet all your needs through the glorious riches of Christ Jesus. I promise to carry to completion the work that I started in you. And so maybe there are some personal expectations today that have not been met. That does not mean that God isn't trustworthy. On the contrary, what makes him trustworthy is that he has a plan for us. And there's obviously some unknown parts of that plan. But we can, be trust, we can trust him in the midst of all of that. So in light of those promises, my friends, don't quit. Don't give up. It's not those good deeds. It's not those acts that really make us right. But it's that faith that serves as that credit of righteousness in our life. It's that faith that sustains us. Unless we forget, God writes us into the story. This is not just an Abraham story. Look at verse 23 and 24. The words it was credited to him were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Those words credited to righteousness were not just for Abraham, but they were for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus from the dead. And maybe you're at a point in your life right now where you're just ready to give up. And it could be anything. You're ready to give up on that dream Maybe you're thinking really irrational thoughts today and you're thinking, you know what, the world would just be better without me in it. And I hope and pray that you realize that that's not true. Or maybe you're thinking, you know what, my family would be better if I just walked away from them. And I hope and pray that you realize that that's not true. Or this calling that um, I'm seeking to follow with my life, the obstacles are just too insurmountable. And I pray that you would remember that Abraham was promised many children when he didn't have the first. And whatever you are facing right now, I pray that you would realize I'm going to run to him and I want to embrace him. I'm going to trust him more than I trust myself. I'm going to seek to find hope in the midst of the hopelessness. I'm going to seek to find joy in the midst of the sorrow. I'm going to seek to find wisdom in the midst of the uncertainty. Why? Because God's promises are good for you. And his blessings are oh so rich. And to you moms and you dads and you aunts and you uncles, you teachers, you ministers, bus drivers, doctors, nurses, PTO members, community members, friends, God has a plan for you. 
He wants to use you. His blessings are so rich, and may we all draw strength from him today. May we all draw our confidence from him today. May we all find our peace in him and in him alone today. And no matter what might be coming our way, may we say, these obstacles will either push me to a weaker state or push me to a stronger state. That's my prayer for each and every one of us, that we would fulfill what it is that the Lord has for us today. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with friends and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.